good afternoon. You're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of the Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us today as he opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Well, please turn your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. I'm going to read from the verse number 18, but of course, remember the context here. Uh, Elisha has struck up a, a friendship with a family in Shunem. Uh, they've built a room for him when he comes and visits on his journeys. And in light of the kindness of this woman, the Lord being pleased to give her a good gift. She's, given, she's been given a good gift of a son. And with that context in mind, let's read uh, from the verse number 18. And may God help us in his word tonight. And when the child was grown, it fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his father, My head, my head. And he said to your lad, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knees till noon and then died. And she went up and laid him on the door of the, or the bed of the man of God and shut the door upon him and went out. And she called unto her husband and said, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men and one of the asses, that I may run to the man of God and come again. And he said, Wherefore wilt thou go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It shall be well. Then she saddled an ass and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Slack not thy riding for me, except I bid thee. So she went and came unto the man of God to Mount Carmel. And we'll just end with that first part of verse number 25. And we'll read some more verses as we make our way through uh, this narrative tonight. I think it is Job who expresses it in the most clear terms, in words that have the, the blessing of God upon them, words that are said to be without sin. He said, The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And Job, in those words, reveals the sovereignty of God over the gifts that we enjoy. God's sovereignty over things that we gain, and also his sovereignty over the losses that we endure. Good gifts may last for a season. They come from God's gracious hand, but they may be taken by God's gracious hand for his glory and for his own wise purposes. The son, the lad that was given, has grown, according to verse number 18. Not to full adulthood, but old enough to run out to the fields, and yet young enough to be carried by a lad and sit on his mother's knee. You can think of that, uh, that range of ages that would uh, put a son in that sort of category. Illness and tragedy came so suddenly. This child was well enough to spend the morning in the fields, and yet the same child was dead by noon. Sudden infection, perhaps. Some sort of meningitis or encephalitis or something of that manner. We, we, we cannot know. But from breakfast to lunch, how quickly life changed. I wouldn't be faithful if I didn't remind all of you that we are not to boast of tomorrow, for we do not know what a day may bring forth. I guarantee you, you'll go through weeks and months, 
years, and you'll forget that. Because we presume. We presume of tomorrow. We presume of a safe journey home. We presume of a, a meal in the morning. We presume of tomorrow's activities and so forth in our minds. Young people particularly presume that they are completely invulnerable. The Bible is a constant reminder to us that, that is not true. And that you do not know what a day may bring forth. We shouldn't live life blind to the reality of change and tragedy. And so for the believer, just as much as the unbeliever, life changes suddenly and joy can be turned into mourning. And it is in that, in that setting that we find a woman coming to the fore, a mother. And so we see, to begin with, a picture of remarkable faith. The context, first of all, is the context of sorrow and death. We find and this mother with a son upon her knees. What was she feeling at that point? How can you begin to enter into the heart of a mother as she holds a son close to her as that son's life ebbs away? This is a time where deep love comes to the fore. And yet her love for her son is a love that has placed itself under her faith in God. She does not react in hysteria as her son dies, nor does she react in rejecting God in her sorrow. You live your life in the presumption that bad things will never happen to you. You presume that God will only ever do things that you find pleasing. And so whenever crisis comes, we do tend to react. And we collapse, fall in a heap. And perhaps our love for loved ones supersedes our faith in God. The psalmist in Psalm 119 says, It's good that I was afflicted. Verse 71, 75 says, Thy unfaithfulness hast afflicted me. We sing the hymn, but do we believe it? Faith in the night as well as the day. Uh, this woman, I believe, shows profound, remarkable faith in the context of sorrow and death. We see that in light of her confidence in the second place. Verse 21, you read it and you go, what's going on here? She gets up, she lays her son on the bed of the man of God, shuts the door and goes out. Certainly, this is not ordinary, usual behavior. And I believe we can, only, we can only interpret that event by seeing it as her expectation of the man of God who would do something here. Her loss is a loss that others have experienced. And yet her loss is somewhat exacerbated in light of the reward that this son was to her for her faithfulness. She's almost reluctant to receive the gift earlier on in the narrative. She's conscious that she doesn't want a vain, empty promise in verse 16. Nay, my Lord, do not lie unto thine handmaid. She can hardly believe that God would do this for her. And now she comes to the point where a few years later, she's laying her dead son upon the bed of the man of God's. 
But I think what you see here is this woman acting with clear purpose and resolve. Because verse number 21 only makes sense when you see what follows. When you understand the following events, and what does she do? She goes and pleads her cause before Elisha. No plans are made for burial. No record of an outpouring of grief. She goes to the prophet, and in going to the prophet, she's going to God. Now we can speculate, had she heard of the widow of Zarephath's son being raised by Elijah? Does she understand the spirit of Elijah now resting upon Elisha? We can't be certain. But there is one thing we can be absolutely certain about. And that is because in Hebrews chapter 11, we have a commentary regarding this woman's conduct. Hebrews 11 and the verse number 35 includes a detail as part of the catalogue of the actions of faith. Verse number 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, who through faith stopped the mouths of lions, but who through faith, verse 35, women received their dead raised to life again. But in the Old Testament, we've only two records of that. And it's in the plural. Women, i.e. both of the women taught in this Old Testament portion, both received their dead back to them because of faith. Through faith, they received their dead raised to life again. So we have absolute certainty that the actions of this woman here in 2 Kings chapter 4 are the actions of faith. Like Hebrews 11 reminds us that we believe that God is and that he is the reward of those that diligently seek him. So faith is conviction regarding the goodness of God. And so that's the confidence of her faith. In the third place under this picture of remarkable faith, we see the contrast of her faith. And I believe her faith stands in stark contrast with her husband's. You know, I trust by now that I am very slow to read harshness into the Bible narrative regarding people. It's too easy sometimes to judge harshly when we have no clear grounds to do so. But there are things that don't quite add up here regarding this husband. And when you read the narrative, however you begin to interpret it, he doesn't come over well. To begin with, he gives the son to a lad, verse 19. The self is somewhat disconnected. Verse number 22. She calls unto her husbands, Send me, I pray thee, one of the young men. Does he at this point not know of his son's death? If he does know, why doesn't he ask? She wants to take an unusual journey. To see the prophet, he understands something's amiss, and yet there's no sense of which him asking for what's going on. The urgency of the request would surely request, suggest something that is of a serious nature. More likely, having given a sick child to the care of his mother, the mother now running to the man of God, it is my Suspicion at most, it is my suspicion that he saw no point in the journey. But he lacked the faith that she possessed. 
And what's more, he lets his wife go. He doesn't go with her. He doesn't offer to go for her. Verse number 24 seems to me to suggest that he give her no cooperation, for she is said to saddle the ass. These are things that we see in the narrative. The father may not have stopped her, but he did not encourage her in her faith in God. You contrast that with the father in Mark's gospel, the father of the son with the demon. Master, I have brought unto thee my son. Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. There's a father who understood that he had to bring his child to the Lord. It's a reminder to us again that as fathers, are we leading our families spiritually? Are we lagging behind our wives' faith? At the same time, women should never excuse their lack of faith because of an unbelieving husband. As if she, she rises above her, her careless husband. She goes above that. Man, lead your wives spiritually. But ladies, if your husband will not lead you spiritually, you keep walking with God. Man, you are ahead of your wife. It is your responsibility to guide them in the faith. But if your husband's a bad head, he's still your head, do not let his sinful headship impair your own faith and confidence in God. And so her faith that is contrasted with her husband's is a faith that in the fourth place is a continuing faith. Her faith persists despite a number of setbacks. And there is a long journey in mountainous terrain. And when you look at the, the, the maps, you understand this was no easy journey. Now, we don't earn answers to prayers because we go through difficult things. We don't believe we should climb steps in Rome. We don't believe we should climb mountains on our knees. We don't believe those things. We don't earn, we don't earn answers to prayer because of some act of penance. But in the same sense, sometimes there are difficult journeys to make as we seek God's face in prayer. There are obstacles to overcome. There are things that we must fight against. We've got to fight against our cell phones. We've got to fight against our busyness. We've got to resist some of these things that would hinder us from getting to God in prayer. There are modern mountainous terrain that we've got to navigate to ensure that we're not kept away from God when it comes to prayer. She certainly had a journey. There was also a delay in answer. When you make your way on down, let's get down to verse number 25 again. And it came to pass when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to Gehazi his servant, Behold, yonder is that Shunammite. Elisha sends the servant, Run now, I pray thee to meet her, and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Now you will note there's a number of italics in verse number 26 of our authorized version. Italics and question marks. But what might be happening here, because you get to the end of verse number 26 and she answers, It is well. So what may be happening here, and some of the comments here suggest this, is that what you have here is you have an ordinary interaction. How are you? Hello? 
I'm well. Just general, ordinary, social graces that are not expecting an accurate response. I often you're asked the question, how are you doing? And over here in America, you say, good. That may not be entirely true, but it is a generality. And that, that may well be what's happening here. It's hard to be dogmatic again. It's also possible that she is confident that it shall be well. That's how the authorized version translates verse number 23. It shall be well. So either these are social greetings or else she is responding with a confident awareness of what God is about to do. Again, I say it is hard to be dogmatic. But the servant comes. And Elisha sends the servant again, normal convention, welcoming the woman, welcoming her approach. But Gehazi is not a good man. And we'll see more of that in the next chapter. We understand Gehazi to be a man marked by carnality. And what happens is, as she bypasses Gehazi in verse number 27, she comes to the man of God to the hill and she catches him by the feet. But Gehazi came near to thrust her away. Carnal, carnal men always despise religious enthusiasm. She is wholehearted in her desire to get to the man of God. And what do you see? You see a despising of that in a carnal heart. This faith that this one has persists despite that. I don't believe we have that problem in this church at the present time. But it might come. Someone might come alongside you and say, you need to calm down in your praying. You're getting far too excited. You're far too excitable. Perhaps you'll, you'll run into excess, emotional excess. This is no place for tears and laments. This is the time just to simply offer your petitions. Carnality will always suppress enthusiasm in prayer. But when the Spirit of God comes in prayer, there is fervency. And we are seeing a visible display of that fervency as she catches the man of God by the feet. Now, what happens next is, again, somewhat confusing. Elisha says to her, Let her alone, for her soul is vexed within her, and the Lord hath hid it from me and hath not told me. Then she said, verse 28, did, did I desire a son of my Lord? Did I not say, do not deceive me? And here's again this reluctance that she had. And then verse number 29, Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up thy loins and take my staff in thine hand and go thy way. If they meet any man, salute him not. And if any man salute thee, answer him not again. And lay my staff upon the face of the child. This is Elisha's initial response. The woman is not content with that. And she says, as the Lord liveth, I will not leave thee. And thus Elisha and the woman then subsequently follow Gehazi. Gehazi is unsuccessful. He lays a staff upon the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. He says the child is not awaked. And this woman's faith is persisting Despite the failure of Gehazi to bring about change. Here, there are some very encouraging comments in the commentators. Matthew Henry says, I know not what to make of this. 
Scott says, It is difficult to determine what the prophet meant by thus sending Gehazi. When you read those things, the preacher, that is encouraging. Because often we scratch our heads and go, How do we understand this? Some, I think very foolishly, suggest that this is conceit in Elisha's part. He's so arrogant, so they say, that he simply sends a servant and presumes his staff will do the rest. I think that is just an awful way to assume the character of Elisha in light of what the rest of the Word of God teaches regarding him. It may well have been the case that this is a test of the woman's faith. We find that in the Gospels at times. There are blind men that approach Jesus. They ask him to heal them, and he keeps on walking into the house. He almost ignores their request. And so as there's a delay, that delay is a test to prove the sincerity of our faith. Could that not be possible? Is that not often the case? So we, we are encouraged to pray not once, but to pray importunately so that God would draw out our faith. It may also be the case, and here I do again I think there is some strength in this, that the Lord is showing Gehazi his own inability. Gehazi stands in contrast to Elisha in that he does not pray. He has no faith. And perhaps the Lord is warning him, you're a man working with God's servant, but you have no power. It's a warning to the church. Means of grace are with no effect without the Lord. You can have the staff of the man of God, but unless God is behind that staff, there is no power in the means in of themselves. Whether it be preaching or prayer or the ordinances, whatever it might be, you may have the means, but if you don't have God, you've nothing. And that's very possibly the case that we see with Gehazi. He's a carnal man. He's working for the Lord's servant, but he himself is not right before God. I warn you again, do not put your confidence in the external means of grace, but make sure your confidence is in God. That's where it must be. Whatever the case may be, whatever the meaning behind this failure on the behalf of Gehazi, we find the woman continuing strong in faith. Like the man who brings the son, the disciples can't release the demon after the Mount of Transfiguration. And the Lord has to come and say, oh, This kind goeth forth not but by prayer and fasting. Carnality. But yet, even though there is carnality in the servant, this woman keeps on believing. Life, life is full of disappointments. There are times in our spiritual experience that we expect God to do something right now. Everything seems just, just set up for it. She's gone the journey. She's found the man of God. He's told her what to do. The very man of God has said, Go, Gehazi. Surely everything seems to be conspiring that God will now answer prayer. And it may be that in our experience with our loved ones, we seem to look and we say, Oh, they've been alerted to their sin. Perhaps a trial has come into their life. Perhaps it may be sickness. Perhaps it may be some other adverse circumstances. Beyond that, 
They decide to come to church. You scratch your head. You say, is this possible? Surely God's going to do something. And then nothing happens. Same old. Two years, three years later, nothing's happened at all. And you've got to deal with this deep-seated disappointment. But faith doesn't give up in the midst of difficulties. It doesn't fall away. Often we pray and we see no answer, but, but faith will keep on believing. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. God gives us grace to endure in our believing. I think this reminds me of the account in Luke chapter 18. The importunate widow, the unjust judge, that men are always to pray and not to faint. And so when the Lord comes, will he find such faith on the earth? Or, or faith is to, be, it is to be expressed in a persistence in prayer, even though at times the answers do not come. We pray and we leave the answers to the Lord. This is a unique situation. There's only two women in the Old Testament who go through this particular supernatural experience. And so it's here, it's here to show us lessons. Lessons regarding the nature of true believing prayer. Parents, who do you go to on behalf of your spiritually dead children? Children are born in sin. By nature, they're dead in trespass and sins. This woman shows us that you do everything you can to get to the man of God, Christ himself. Elisha is an Old Testament type of Christ. Elisha, salvation is of God. Jesus, he shall save his people from their sins. And she understands that as she lays her dead son upon the bed of the man of God, that she's going to leave their son with the Lord and get to Christ, as it were, and seek the face of Christ for her dead child. And what is true of children is true of older folks as well. The only place that life is to be found is in the prophet of God, that is Christ himself. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170. That's 610-993-3170. Or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We preach Christ crucified.